Verse number 1, Genesis chapter number 7, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy, thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now, I'm not going to deal with this phrase here in verse number 1 in the message, but I do want to point it out how the Lord has seen Noah. Well, we will see in chapter number 6 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But here he says, y'all come into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me. So when God looked at Noah, he looked at him as righteous. He saw him as a righteous man. And, 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 and that's the way I want to be seen in the eyes of God. Can somebody agree with that this morning? Well, we go further in verse number two. He says, of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female, of fowls also there by sevens, the male and the female, to keep the seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to uh, unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Verse number 7 is our last verse. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Let's pray again this morning. Father, we ask you now that you would take your word. We pray that you would allow it to be relative, allow it to be applicable to our lives. Father, we pray that you would hide us behind the cross. Allow your people to see you in this message, in this word, and in my burden. God, we pray that you would help us, give us unction, give us an anointing, and give us utterance to preach the word of God boldly today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on this first part of this series, uh, I guess I have to name the series. It's just Bible Invitations. Uh, but the title of the message would be, Come Into the Ark. And God calls people to Himself. Uh, throughout Scripture, and I am thankful of that today. We look over there in Peter, uh, First Peter, I believe it is, maybe Second. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. How is He going to do that? Well, He calls them unto Himself. And so throughout the Scripture, we'll find these invitations are found. And some of those invitations are those of love. And some are invitations of judgment. And some are invitations of repentance. But here we find this first invitation. And the flood in verse number 1 is just about to begin. And God says those words, Come thou and all thy house in to the ark. And so I want to start number one uh, this morning with an invitation to take a step of faith. Now I'll be preaching to the church this morning and I'll be preaching to any lost that may be here today. And I encourage you to pay very close attention to the message as we deal with this. But there is first of all an invitation to take a step of faith. 
I have long thought that in chapter number 7 you find the word rain for the second time in your King James Bible. Uh, But you'll find that the rain uh, begins to fall. You'll find that the waters of the deep are broken up. You'll find that the heavens are broken up. And you'll find that the flood waters are upon the face of the earth. And and what I'm about to say, it's not a point of argument, it's not a point of real concern as far as I am concerned, uh, but in this I've often considered uh, Genesis chapter number 7 as being the first time that it has ever rained upon the earth. Now, some of you may have done a study and you'll find over in chapter number 2 uh, that God is still in His creation and He is still doing uh, that creative work. And in there, uh, maybe chapter, chapter number 2, uh, around verse number 5 or so, it says the rain has yet to fall upon the face of the earth. And the, any watering that was done was through those rivers, through the stream, through a mist that came up, and you could all, you could see that there in chapter number two. And so because of that statement that the rain had not fallen upon the face of the earth, I've always made the assumption that this is the first time that it has ever rained. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm wrong in that, but I do realize that there could be some, some things that happen. You understand that after man fell there in the Garden of Eden, that things changed. Uh, men had to begin to work. Women had to travail in childbirth. And God began to change, I believe, change creation. And so it could be that between chapter number 2 and chapter number 7, there was rain. But the reason that I bring this up is, again, not for a point of argument, but for a, a point of, of evidence here. We see that this rain is coming. And I told you, number one, it's an invitation to take a step of faith. I personally believe the reason why there's, I believe that there has been no rain falling is because of the amount of faith that Noah exhibited here. Not only the amount of faith, and I realize that it took him at least a hundred years to build the ark, but also the amount of... um, ridicule that he came under. I was preaching at the nursing home the other day and I made mention of of this particular story. And I can imagine here in chapter 6 and chapter 7 when God came to Noah and God said, I want you to build an ark. And I kind of gave a quick little illustration. I can imagine Noah may have said, you want me to build what? You want me to build an ark, okay? What is an ark? Well, God then began to explain what an ark was. He says, okay, I build the ark, but what is it for? Well, I'm going to make it rain on the earth. I'm going to destroy the earth by a flood. What is a flood? Well, that's when all... And God began to have to explain all of these things. And I could only imagine that the reason that uh, Hebrews and Peter both wrote about the faith of Noah is because there had been no rain. And so they didn't know what a boat was. They didn't know what a an ark was. They had no idea that you even needed one to get from one side of the river to the next or the ocean to the next or even uh, that the waters would ever get that high in order to be able to float said boat or ark. Now, again, you can believe that or not. I'm not going to argue with you. It doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. 
But I believe that there was such an amount of faith that was uh, exhibited by Noah that we find here throughout Scripture that he is referenced back because of that faith. Now, we're talking about an invitation to uh, take a step of faith. We see first of all there in verse number 1 that Noah is invited to come into the ark. This This had to be a step of faith. He had already built the ark. He had already uh, succumbed to the will of God to build it for for no apparent reason. He didn't, I don't believe that he really understood it. I believe that he, uh, Peter called him a preacher of righteousness, Miss Tabitha. And so I believe that God said it and so he did it. He may not have understood it. And there's some things that God will call us to do that we may not understand, but we must just do it. And so he was a preacher of righteousness. They may have uh, pounded on the side of the boat where he was hammering a nail and said, Noah, what are you doing? He says, I'm building an ark. It's going to flood. And he kind of went through the whole thing. You're building a what? You're building it. Why? What? What is going on here? But I believe that when he began to reference back to them, it wasn't Noah being the crazy old man in the neighborhood, but he said, I'm doing this because God said to do it. There is an invitation to take a step of faith over in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, that's that reverence to God, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. There's a lot to unpack there in Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 7 that I don't have the time to do it but some one writer that that I read after this week talked about those things that have not been seen yet and they they said that may be a proof that there was no rain come they never seen rain I don't know about that but I do know one thing Kurt they had never seen an ark they had never seen it that big they had never seen these floods come upon the earth and they had never to this point seen the judgment of God as they were about to see it now, some of y'all just went to the ark up in, uh, is that Kentucky? In Kentucky. And, uh, there, there's some things about the, the physical look of the ark that, that I don't necessarily agree with, but I'm, I'm, old boy that made it, he's a whole lot smarter than I am, so ain't no sense in me trying to argue about it. But it was a box that, that I can read. There was no rudder. There was no keel. It was a box. It was pitched within and without. So quite literally, when it became floating, when it started floating, it was all on God. There was nothing that Noah could do about it. Wherever God led, that's where he had to go. And again, we, we could argue that, but there's no sense in doing it. But by faith, Noah... Being warned of God. What was he warned of? He was warned of the judgment to come. What did he do? He was obedient. There is an invitation here in verse number 1. Now that this ark is built, now I want you to go one step further. You've already trusted me by building this for a 100 years. Now go one step further, Noah. Get your family and step into the ark. Brother David, why did he build the ark? The coming judgment. 
Because of the coming judgment, he built this ark. He was a preacher of righteousness for at least a hundred years. And then it came time that he had to say, God, all of these years are not wasted. I am going to take that step. And he walked up the gangplank, if I could say it that way, him and his family into the safety of the ark. There's safety, listen to me, there's safety in the will of God. You may not understand it. You may not be able to comprehend it like others. You may not be able to find the source of all of these things. But if God told you, if God said it, if God commanded, then just be obedient and follow Him because in His will you will find safety from all of the turmoil, all of the judgment outside of the walls of that particular ark, that boat, that will of God. He's got to enter this ark. And Noah, I believe, by faith was saved and by grace. Remember, he found grace in the sight of God in chapter number six. Hebrews, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter number two, verse eight and nine. By faith are you saved through grace. Grace are you saved through faith. Our salvation is by grace through faith. Not only is our salvation, but Noah was saved from the wrath of God in the flood by the grace that he found in the eyes of God and by the faith that he demonstrated in God. There's a lot of folks today, and and, and it's sad, but there's a lot of folks in our churches that are struggling uphill both ways because they're trying to do it themselves instead of allowing God to lead their lives. They've went so far as building the ark in their life, if I could use this analogy. They've went so far as trusting God and building this ark. They see the will of God, but they will not step into it. They sit back and they look at it. They say, man, it would be great to be in there. But they're too scared. They're too fearful to take that step. And then again, some may even step onto that boat. They're in the will of God, but then they try to steer God's will. That's not the way that it works. John chapter number 3, verse number 36. The Scripture says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I'm glad this morning that God has prepared a way. God has You remember Sunday we preached about the testimony of Mephibosheth, and on Sunday night we gave you kind of the positive side of that particular message. And we said that, that Mephibosheth was fetched he, God sent someone, or David rather, sent someone to Mephibosheth, but he didn't just say, all right, Mephibosheth, the king wants you. Now it's up to you to get to him. No. The king prepared a servant to go get him, and the king prepared a way for Mephibosheth to come back to David. And God has prepared a way for you and I to find the will of God in Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit of God. Number two this morning, there's an invitation to survive the flood. 
He says, for thee, in verse number one, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. He goes on, he says, this is what you want to bring into the ark. But verse number four, for yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. I was reading, I believe it's Albert Barnes, could be wrong. Was reading behind him about this particular thing, and I was trying to find something about that rain there in the previous verse, and I couldn't. But he began to dissect verse number four. The Bible says there at the end, off the face of the earth. And he said that there's, there's no proof that this flood was a worldwide flood. And it, I got ticked off right off the bat. Because the Bible says the face of the earth, that's, that's the whole thing. I believe it was a worldwide flood. He brought up this is the animals that are in Australia. And he said the fossils that are in Australia are animals that we can see today from Australia. He began to make his case. And I began to get more mad and more mad. But I remember being with old brother Jamie Duran over on his place. And he said, hey, that's, and he called it something, a fossil rock or something. I don't know exactly what it was called. A little, like a little sandstone. And he chipped it open and there were little bitty sea creature fossils in them. Well, how in the world did that get, and this was on the hill. How in the world did this get on that hill in South Georgia without there at one point being some water and some sea creatures here? Tennessee, same thing. I can kind of see Florida, you know, Florida's about to fall in the ocean anyway. But they found it on mountains. They found sea creature fossils on mountains in everywhere you can think. How is that possible? I believe it'd be possible probably because verse number 20, Samuel says, 15 cubits upward did the waters prevail and the mountains were covered. Now, these guys that write these commentaries, they're a lot smarter than I am, but this boy needs to wear a dunce cap because he done forgot to read this verse. All the mountains of the earth were covered by this flood. So point number two this morning is it's an invitation to survive the flood. If you go back to chapter number six, verse number, uh, well, let's look at verse number 11 and 12. The earth was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. The wickedness of Noah's time came before God. But yet Noah had an invitation to survive the flood. These were men that were corrupt in their morals, in their thoughts, their decisions. They were violent in their dealings with one another. There were giants in the land. There were things that we don't quite understand today, but yet God destroyed the whole earth. I, I, again, look, look at verse number, look at verse number six, seven, somewhere, four, four. 
And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. You look over verse number 23. And every living substance was destroyed. Verse number 22. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life and all that was in the dry land died. Verse 21. And all the flesh died. That that was a judgment coming. And God saw Noah and found in him grace and righteousness and decided to use Noah not only to save himself, but in essence to save the future generations to come. The judgment that follows wickedness. You go back to chapter 6, look at verse number 7, and you'll see, the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Look, verse chapter number 7, verse number 10. We're going to kind of skip around right here. And it came to pass those seven days that seven days that the waters... Flood, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Look at verse number 13. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and, uh, and the sons of Noah and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. Let's continue. Verse number 16. And they went in and went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded them and the Lord shut him in. The judgment that follows this wickedness Separation from God. God saved but eight people in this flood. Brother Terry, I don't know how many people were alive back then. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions at a time, I don't know. This is not day seven, okay? This is hundreds, hundreds of years after the creation. At the very least. But I want us to know that the wickedness of man was rampant and it was a, a, a foul smell in the nostrils of God. But God said, Come thou and thy house into the ark. It's an invitation to survive the flood. In our modern times, we would maybe read Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The judgment that follows wickedness, there's a, a destruction that's determined against the wicked. There is the wages of sin. But I'm glad that there can be found grace. If you're here today and you're part of the wicked and you've never accepted Christ and there's no righteousness found within you, there's been no grace found in your eyes or in God's eyes, I want you to know today that you can, you can experience grace. You can exhibit faith. The Bible says in, uh, again, verse number 1, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. I firmly believe today that grace was offered even to Noah as a man that was facing judgment. Benji, he could have refused. He could have refused. But he followed God. 
You see, we were talking yesterday, that dreaded C word, Calvinism. You see, if he couldn't refuse, then we'd have to be Calvinists. But we're not. I need about three people to say, I'm not a Calvinist this morning. Act like we're in black church. Repeat after me now. I'm not a Calvinist. And thank you. And since we're not, then we have to understand that Noah could have said no. But he didn't. Grace was offered. I believe, if you look at the numbers you'll find here, 7, 40, I believe you look at these numbers and you'll find that God was still extending grace for seven days. Look at those verses that we just read. You see verse number 7, Noah went in, his sons, his wife, their wives. You see, there's a parenthetical uh, three verses, verse 10, 11, and 12, that kind of separates from, from verse number 9 and then continues in verse number 13. Verse number 9 says, There went in two and two into, uh, unto Noah into the ark, the male and the females. God commanded them. Skip down to verse number 13. In the selfsame day entered Noah all of those. Now go back up to verse number 10. And it came to pass after these seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600 year of Noah's life, in the seventh, uh, second month, in the seventh day of the month, the selfsame day where the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open and the rain was upon the earth for 40 days. Now, those are those parenthetical. It's a thought within a thought, but we cannot really truly get verse number 10, 11, and 12 until after verse number 16. Because verse number 16 said that there was a time of seven days that Noah was in the ark in his family and God left the door open. And for seven days, any person that so desired could have went into the safety of the ark. But Eric, after seven days, the Lord shut him in. There might be somebody here today and you're you're kind of shoving off the grace of God and you're trying to do everything the way that you want to. But I'm going to tell you something. Like I told the folks at the nursing home, there is a danger in making God mad. He's liable to shut the door and never give you another chance. And at that point, all that's left is weeping and wailing and trying your best to get in some way, but God is done. Please don't get to that point. Last, and I'm going to kind of end this. I'm also segueing into the the conclusion. So here in a little bit, y'all can just pick a time. Y'all can come with the invitation. Number three, there's an invitation to Noah's whole family. Not just Noah. In chapter number six, verse number eight, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It doesn't say anything about Ham, Sham, Japheth. It doesn't say anything about Noah's wife. It doesn't say anything about the boys' wives. Absolutely nothing about them. But God saw something in Noah's eyes. I'm going to read it again. Chapter 6, verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You, you can say this as I just did, but... God saw something in Noah's eyes. What's your Bible say? Read, read chapter number six, verse number eight, I believe it was. What does it say? 
In whose eyes? In the eyes of the Lord. That could be that God is looking down on Noah and God, as He said in chapter 7, verse number 1, God saw him as righteous. So it could be that God saw him as as full of grace. But it kind of makes me wonder who was looking at who. But Noah found... It sounds like Noah is doing the seeking here. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Kind of makes me wonder, Miss Jean, if Noah wasn't doing some soul searching himself. Maybe saying, maybe saying as the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Kind of makes me wonder if Noah might have not had a prayer meeting somewhere out in the cornfield, brother John, and said, God, I'm living amongst a, a wicked people. Maybe like Isaiah said, woe is me. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The entirety of this message, we, we've, we've based our message upon the fact that God saw something in Noah. But this morning, could it be that Noah found something in God? Maybe that, maybe that he had never seen before. Brother Terry, maybe that he had never looked for before. There's an invitation to Noah's whole family. There ain't a doubt in my mind. I look at my children this way. And I know mamas and daddies, they look at their children this way. They're coming up, you're bouncing them on your knee. What will this child become? They get a little bit older, they get in school, they, they maybe graduate, they go to college, whatever it may be. And, and the parent sits there and they wonder, I wonder what they're going to be. What will they, and I'm not being funny, but what will they contribute to society? Maybe that child, that loving mother, that loving father, they're, they're not doing what's right. They're going their own way. They're getting away from God. They're getting away from their raising. They're getting away from those, that nurturing admonition that they've been brought up in. And that mom and daddy that loves them so much and they wonder, how far will they go? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I firmly believe today that Noah, Miss Irene, was Truly seeking something. It could be that he looked at his children and said, I, I could very easily see where they would go the wrong way, where they would choose the wrong path, where they would get mixed up with this crowd or that. But God, <laughs> but God said, come thou, Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark. This morning, I want you to know today, parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, mom and daddy, don't matter to me. Maybe somebody don't even have kids yet, but you're praying and you're waiting. Can I tell you today that yes, God wants you, but God wants your son and your daughter. God wants everybody in your family. Who was it the other day? Where were we at? Maybe we were at Camp Canaan and somebody sang this song. Uh, Sorry, I can't go with you. I don't even know the name of the song. That's the only phrase that sticks out. But I heard it years and years ago when I went to church in Florida about a daddy that kept turning God away and turning God away. But he finally ended up at the judgment seat and he saw his daughter and he saw his wife and all they could do was sing, Sorry, I can't go with you. I believe today that God wants Camden to go to heaven. God's not willing to any should perish. 
God wants Camden. But I'm going to flip it on you. God wants your son to go to heaven as well. Come thou and all thy house into the ark. Individually, yes, God wants us all to be saved. But I believe God wants daddies and mamas to go to heaven. I believe God wants sons and daughters to go to heaven. I believe God wants grandpas and grandmas to go to heaven. There's an old song, with a circle being broken. Don't dislike it. Don't particularly like it. Don't matter to me. I'll sing it. I'll sing the fool out of that thing. But I don't believe God wants that circle to be unbroken. Man, I can't help but to get beside myself. Cannot help but to get beside myself when I think about the, the spiritual circle in my own life. When it started, and I'll not bore you with that, but when it started and how it's come, and now that husband and wife that were at odds, that husband and wife that thought about calling it quits, that husband and wife that 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 even though one went to church, the other one didn't want to, but they ended up convincing him and, and the husband got saved and, and then the son and the daughter got saved and now the daughter's got a family of her own and some of them are, really none of them are living for God and so that burdens my heart. But then you got me and my wife and we're doing our best to serve God and we've got two little girls and they're doing their best to serve God. And I have to wonder when they have children, what will their children, will their children serve God? Will their children's children and serve God. And it just makes me wonder if God, when He plants this family tree, spiritually speaking, if He doesn't just want every branch to produce good, godly fruit. I believe He does. This is an invitation for the whole family. Acts chapter 16, verse 31, down through verse 34. Y'all can come with a song. Paul and Silas had just been set free by this, this miraculous earthquake. There was an, a guard that came rushing in. He was about to kill himself and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them that hour. He washed their stripes. They were baptized, he and all his. Verse 34. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. I've been in churches where mamas were having to do everything themselves. What what I mean by that is daddies were not in church. Daddies were not saved, very likely. The mamas, they were doing everything that a wife does and trying to make him happy and trying to make herself happy and kids. Tried to raise the kids right, but there was still that influence that was drawing them away from what she was teaching. Burdened, heartbroken, trying to raise that kid in church and trying to do, do everything that's just right. To my knowledge, she's still doing it by herself. Children now are gone. They're, they're up. They're doing their own thing. Some are in church. Some may not be. But she did the best that she could. 
I've seen it with daddies who are having to do the exact same thing. Matter of fact, there's at least one in here today that he's doing it by himself. Can I tell you? Just keep pressing on. Don't give up on that husband or that wife that may be at home while you're trying to serve the Lord here. Don't give up on them children that know the right way, but yet they've gone their own way. Don't give up. I believe today that God desires that that you are together in church and in the will of God and His safety. Now know this, that it's completely up to them. But you've got to do your part. You've got to stay faithful. A hundred years, a hundred years, Noah beat, sawed, and hammered on a contraption that nobody knew what it was for a reason that nobody had ever heard of for a time that no one ever knew when it would come. Peter calls him in 2 Peter chapter number 5 that he was a preacher of righteousness. In Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 7, the writer of Hebrews calls him an heir of righteousness. He was a recipient of righteousness. Why? Because of his faith. See, there is an invitation today to come into the ark. Now, we don't have a boat outside. We have no reason to have one. But God is that ark today. And you could come to Him. Maybe for salvation. Or maybe God just wants you to get in His will. Maybe you've been in His will and you've gotten out of it. Get in the boat. Maybe you've been looking for God's will and God showed you and your, your faith is so weak and so low that you're just, a, you're scared to death to take that step of faith. I almost missed the boat four and a half years ago. I almost said, God, that looks really good, but not right now. It took a man full of the Holy Ghost and it took the Holy Ghost to draw me to that place. And I'm going to tell you, Kurt, you talked about God blessing you. I can't explain it. There's been some lean times. There's been some times of plenty. People have given and I've given. I don't understand it. But when you step out in faith, somehow, God rewards that. Somehow or another, if you've been praying for God's will and God's way in your life, and you've been too scared to take that step of faith, will you go ahead and step out anyhow and let God do what He wants to do for you? He's going to keep you safe. You may not have the best that money can buy. You may not have the best life. You may have trouble. You may have toils. You may have all kinds of things go wrong in your life. But I promise you, if you're in God's will, you'll be safe. I wonder if you'll respond to that invitation today. Maybe you need to accept Him by faith. Maybe you need to get in that will. But I promise you today, as Noah was that heir of righteousness, and thereby he became a preacher of righteousness, 
He was preaching something to those folks. Maybe it was repent. Maybe it was come pick up a hammer and help. God will reward you for working for him. I don't, I don't know what exactly he was preaching, but I do know according to Scripture that he preached righteousness. And if you're going to preach righteousness, you're going to preach holiness. If you're going to preach holiness, not everybody's going to be able to swallow what you're, what you're trying to give them. But I guarantee it, if we'll preach what Noah preached, God will reward us.